if you're a firearm owner and have an expired license, you better listen to what I have to say because you may be a criminal and you may be facing a period of imprisonment as a result of the Constitutional Court decision of June 2018. This is Martin Hood, attorney, and this is Guncast, a special podcast about guns and gun ownership in South Africa. We live in a country where there are a lot of guns. A lot of them are illegal and dangerously used by dangerous people, and a lot of other people are trying to protect themselves with legal firearms. We thought we would dispel some of the rumors and try to get to the core and the essence of what it is to be a legal gun owner, what it means to stay in that position, and what your rights, responsibilities, and everything entailed in that is all about. How did we end up in a situation where approximately 430,000 law-abiding citizens are potentially criminals? We have to look at the history of firearm ownership in South Africa to understand why we are in this position. Before 2004, the old legislation, the Arms and Ammunitions Act, gave a license for the lifetime of the license holder. There was no renewal. There was no need to be deemed competent. It was a very simple piece of legislation, and it was easy to implement, and it was easy to police. During the 1990s, the ANC government decided that they wanted to change much of what they regarded as old-style apartheid legislation, and firearm control was one of their major focuses for attention. The ANC made representations to the Goldstone Commission in the early 1990s saying that they wanted to abolish civilian ownership of firearms. That started firearm owners, legal firearm owners, banding together, formalizing their structures, and learning very quickly how to lobby and to influence the way that legislation was ultimately crafted. In 2000, Parliament passed the Firearms Control Act, which introduced a completely new regime of licensing. Put simply, you had to periodically renew your licenses and you had to complete training, including legal and theoretical testing and practical testing, and then you had to be deemed competent. So the theory went that people that had criminal or violent backgrounds would not be given a firearm license. The Act provided that self-defense licenses were valid for five years and most other licenses were valid for 10 years. The implementation of the Act was extremely problematic. It took between three and five years for people to, to get licenses, and that resulted in a great deal of litigation, the most important one of which was a court order in 2009 that declared all green licenses, all old act licenses remain valid. That court order has created a great deal of confusion in as much as people who have green and white licenses do not know which license they can rely on and which license is valid and will keep them out of trouble. So listen up. I'm going to break it down a little bit later into exactly what category people fall into. Because of the 2009 court order, an attempt was made to stop relicensing in total, and that court case unfortunately was not finalized. Had it been finalized, there would be much less confusion today. It became apparent very quickly after 2009 
that many people did not understand that their licenses had an expiry date. In fact, many licenses were printed originally that didn't have expiry dates on them. And that just led to the confusion. People were not sure what the requirements were to renew licenses. They were confused because of the SA Hunters 2009 decision saying all green licenses were valid. So many people didn't think that they needed to renew their licenses. The police simply didn't communicate effectively at all to the public about the need to renew licenses, what their policies were, how renewals should take place, and so forth. In fact, I'm one such person who had an expired license. But when I realized my license had expired, I went to the police and I applied late. I gave an explanation and the police renewed my license, as they did for many thousands of other people. However, and again, simply because the police do not communicate effectively, in February of 2016, that situation changed completely. So what happened in 2016? Well, the police, in typical fashion, issued an internal directive. In other words, it went to police stations, police colleges, police structures, saying don't accept late applications. Purely by chance, that directive became public and it created a massive uproar because people felt that they were being discriminated against because people such as myself had been able to apply late and all of a sudden that changed. So the police got taken to court by three different organizations. The Arms and Ammunition Dealers Association obtained a court order stopping the police from destroying firearms because the police told the public that any firearm that was handed in was going to be destroyed and the police directive made it clear that there was no alternative but to hand in the firearm and many persons were told I want your firearm by the police and they were instructed to return with their firearm so it could be destroyed. Thankfully many people didn't go back to those police stations and many of those firearms were subsequently preserved in terms of this dealer's court order. The South African Hunters and Game Conservation Association challenged the validity of two sections of the Firearms Control Act. Now, I'm not going to go into technical detail about it, but in essence, the challenge was it was not necessary to renew your firearm license, and if you had to renew your firearm license, you could do so late. That court case was heard in the Pretoria High Court, and Judge Tolmay made the decision declaring these two sections of the Firearms Control Act unconstitutional. In doing so, she gave firearm owners a lifeline because she said because the two sections were unconstitutional, there was no need to renew, people were not criminals, and it was referred to the Constitutional Court for confirmation. Now, the decision of Judge Tolmay, taking aside any legal considerations, was a fair and practical decision. It gave firearm owners an opportunity to remain legal, legitimate firearm owners. It was the right decision in the circumstances. The police, however, who, I must say, act on the instructions of their political masters and not necessarily in the, interest, in the best interests of society, decided that they needed to appeal this decision because their instructions were that legal firearms needed to be reduced. They need to be taken off the streets and they needed to be destroyed. And it's a lot easier to take a legal firearm out of the hands of a person that's got a proper address, pays taxes and is employed 
productively than it is to go chasing criminals. I'm not even going to go into the fact of how much resources the police have devoted to chasing legal firearm owners while criminals run rampant in our streets. There's plenty on YouTube where you can see criminals in action. So the police took it on appeal to the Constitutional Court. Two other organizations became involved. One organization made practical suggestions on bridging provisions to legalize these firearms. The other organization argued that more firearms should be taken out of circulation. The end result was the decision on the 7th of June by the Constitutional Court that may have made many of you listening to this very, very serious criminals. So I'm going to tell you now what the Constitutional Court said and how it affects you. Listen up. Let's start with the hard reality that many of you, if convicted, could face a mandatory 15-year period of imprisonment. Mandatory means you do not pass go. You do not collect your 200 rand. You go straight to jail for that 15 years, which means you will spend a minimum of 10 years in prison for simply possessing a firearm on an expired license. Is that fair? Well, no, it's not. But I'm going to tell you how we find ourselves in that situation. The Constitutional Court, in its judgment of the 7th of June, ruled that the two sections of the Firearms Control Act that effectively mandate relicensing are not unconstitutional. The Constitutional Court said they're not vague, the provisions are not irrational, in fact they're very clear, and they were quite critical of the fact that firearm owners didn't seem to understand the need to renew licenses. In their mind, the legislation was so clear that anyone who possessed a firearm must know that they had an obligation to renew. It's a very hard judgment, a very straightforward judgment, and a very, very policy-driven judgment, in my opinion, that supported the government's aims of reducing legal firearm owners. This decision gives us no leeway. And it is final. There's nothing we can bring in to change this decision. It's the highest court in the land, right? This decision gives us no leeway, and it's final. It's the constitutional court. There is nowhere to go after the constitutional court to say that the constitutional court got it wrong. Do you think that the justices are aware of the fact that there are some 400,000 people who could end up being put in jail for a 15-year mandatory sentence over this decision? I'm going to take a stab at the constitutional court now. We live in a country that has a constitution and I have the right of freedom of speech. And I'm going to exercise that right. I don't think the constitutional court properly considered the consequences of their decision. I think that to some extent they may have been strongly influenced by certain justices who had strong feelings against firearms. And I think that they also did not properly research their decision before they gave the decision. And I'm going to give a couple of examples. The first example is that of Justice Kachalia. Justice Kachalia was involved in the ANC in the early 1990s in not only making submissions to the Goldstone Commission on Firearms, 
but in policy making that led to the Firearms Control Act itself. So in some ways, he had a hand in crafting the very legislation he was now ruling on. Well, Justice Kachalia argued to the Goldstone Commission that there should be no civilian ownership of firearms. He subsequently became the Secretary of Police that developed the policy that underpins the Firearms Control Act, and he was actually involved in the drafting of the Firearms Control Act itself. Now, I know this because I engaged with him on behalf of firearm organizations in the 1990s. And Justice Kotalia was very anti-firearm. Now, if we fast forward to 2018, we have a situation where a constitutional court justice, in essence, is sitting in judgment of his own legislation. I think that's wrong. I think that Justice Kotalia had a conflict of interest, and I think that Justice Kotalia should have understood the Roman law principle of not being a judge in your own cause, and he should have recused himself. Are there other factors that worry you about this constitutional court decision? That's not my only concern. My biggest concern is the criminalization of you, the listener. The constitutional court did not take cognizance of what is called the General Law Amendment Act of 1997. What this piece of legislation provides for is that if you are found to be illegally in possession of a self-loading firearm, and please listen carefully because this is very important, this has been decided by the Supreme Court of Appeal. Now please listen carefully because the Supreme Court of Appeal has defined a self-loading firearm as a pistol as well as a rifle. So for many of you who have pistols licensed for self-defense, this piece of legislation provides if you're convicted of illegal possession, you have to go to jail for 15 years. There's no debate. It's a minimum sentence. Is it practical? Is it possible for the police to go around arresting people because of expired licenses en masse? One of the difficulties with this criminalization of a large number of firearm owners is quite simply capacity to prosecute, capacity to process, and of course capacity to incarcerate or put in prison. It's going to result in what I believe will be a discriminatory process. The police will cherry pick. They'll decide who they're going to prosecute. And they will typically, as they do, pick soft targets little old grannies who may simply have not realized or intended that their firearm license needs to be renewed. They might pick on prominent persons, myself, for example, or they might pick on family members of prominent persons who have not relicensed their firearm. So there's great potential as a consequence of this decision for prejudicial or discriminatory conduct and there's great potential for intimidation and that intimidation has already started and victimization clearly intimidation and victimization we're supposed to live in a, in a democracy where we should be treated fairly and equally and my conclusion from this constitutional court decision is that 
the Constitutional Court has created a new class of citizen, and that is citizen firearm owner, and that is citizen firearm owner. And that citizen doesn't have all the rights that everybody else has because you can discriminate against that citizen. And because of this decision, they will always have that sort of Damocles hanging over them or they'll have to go in and try to voluntarily hand in the firearm, which some of the time might not even be accepted by the police station in question. Five weeks have passed since this decision. Five weeks of utter confusion. People, good law-abiding people who want to do the right thing, don't know what to do. Some people tried to hand in firearms. I can speak from personal experience. I've helped people, family members. They've gone to the police station and they've said, I want to hand in this firearm. In some instances, they've made more than one attempt. And in fairness to the police involved, they've said, we can't help you. We don't know what to do yet. We will come back to you. We will contact you. So, Although the Constitutional Court says the firearm is illegal, you are a criminal, and the only option you have is to surrender the firearm to the police, the police are not capable of doing it yet. In five weeks, the police, who are our legal custodians, they are there to protect and serve us. In five weeks, they've not issued one piece of advice or guidance to help you, the firearm owner, in what you should do. In some ways, this sounds like the essence of sadomasochism. They command you, they make you sick and then command you to be well. And when you try to be well, you try to comply, you find that you cannot. It's an impossible situation. We can speculate why the police haven't done anything. My view is the police are incapable of creating and applying a holistic approach. I don't think different police departments talk to each other. I think that there is a massive lack of leadership at the highest level, and that lack of leadership means that no one will take responsibility and tell us what to do. And in a crisis like this, we should be given advice and instruction. So what would your advice be if I were a client of yours and I approached you and said, I want to comply with the law, but I've been turned away from two, three police stations when I've tried to hand in my firearm because my license has expired. What do you tell someone like that? So let's get practical for, for a few moments because you're listening to this because you want to know what to do. Here's my advice. Until the police issue a national instruction on how they are going to deal with expired licenses, do nothing. Make sure your firearm is securely locked away in your safe. Don't carry it. Don't use it. You must remember, the Constitutional Court has said possession is illegal. If you get caught in possession of that firearm, and to me possession means outside of your house, then you're going to be in a great deal of trouble, and you're going to need legal advice. What if someone breaks into my house while this is going on? What if I use the firearm to defend myself legitimately? In my view, there is a difference between use and possession of a firearm. If you are forced to use any firearm in self-defense, 
then that is com- a completely separate legal issue and debate to possession of a firearm. In other words, and listen up, if you have to use your personal firearm for which you have an expired license, if you have to use it in self-defense in your home, I don't think you're committing an offense. In other words, if you protect yourself with that firearm in your home, I believe it's legally justifiable. However, don't carry that firearm in public because Mm -hmm. if you are stopped and searched and found to be in possession of that firearm, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. So, Martin, as a responsible legal gun owner who wants to comply with the law, who has a license that may be about to expire, that may already have expired, there are certain very real, very uh, immediate and, and, and there are certain very imminent consequences. And you've discussed the fact that if we don't comply with the law at some point, there may be very nasty consequences for us in terms of prison time. Many people have tried to hand in their firearms and do the right thing. And the police in many, many instances have simply said, we don't know what to do. So keep your firearm safe. Make sure that you actively take steps to find out if there are any changes. You cannot indefinitely sit with your firearm in your safe waiting for the police to contact you. If you have an expired license, there is a responsibility on you to monitor developments and get information about what should happen. No one wants to find themselves in a, in a situation where effectively we put, put our heads in the sand and we ignore the problem. Because in ignoring the problem, you're going to create more problems for yourself, including the possibility of being charged with a criminal offense. What you need to do is... Get hold of organizations that disseminate information publicly and on a regular basis. I'm going to suggest two organizations, and they're quite easy to get hold of. You just need to go and Google them. The first is the South African Gun Owners Association, SAGA. The second is an organization called Gun Owners of South Africa, known as GOSA, G-O-S-A, and SAGA, S-A-G-A. Google them. They have active website and Facebook pages where you can get information. You should also talk to your local shooting range or your local firearm dealership. All of these are members of industry or regulatory bodies who can give you information. Do not ignore the problem. Make sure that you remain up to date so that if there are any changes, you can act in accordance with whatever the police direct you to do. Bear in mind as well that with the best will and intent in the world, the police can't take 430,000 firearms into their possession at any one time. So there will have to be a phased-in approach to the taking in of these firearms if that happens. What you need to do is make sure that you don't ignore the problem. Make sure, if the police contact you, that you respond. If you have any doubt, speak to one of the organizations I've mentioned. Speak to your attorney, but get information. And ensure what you do is what the police want you to do. The police have the right to tell you. The police have the right 
to tell you what to do with your firearm. If they want to come to your house and take your firearm, don't argue. Give it to them. If they want you to report to the police station, do so. You can get legal advice. And if you have any doubts or if you have concerns or fears, go with your if you have any doubts or concerns or fears, go with an attorney. Remember, we're not playing around. Potentially, you could be facing a period of imprisonment, and it's worthwhile getting proper advice before you do anything with the police. What is an expired license? The Constitutional Court decision dealt with expired licenses. So let's be absolutely clear what is an expired license. If you have a green license, that is an old act license. It's either stuck in your identity book or it's a credit card type license with a thumbprint on it. And you did not move to the new license. In other words, you only have a green license. That license is valid. You do not have any legal difficulties. However, if you moved from those green licenses with the thumbprint on to a white license that has your photograph on it and that license has expired, you need to listen to what I have to say. This will be a series of podcasts in which we will deal with the various aspects of gun ownership. We'll talk about the kinds of guns that many people have. We'll talk about competency. We'll talk about real-world scenarios that have evolved, cases that you may be interested in. And we'll try to get to the bottom of what the law requires of everybody, as well as all the interesting things around gun ownership that many people may want to ask questions about. This is CliffCentral.com.